Hello, you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you regular news, reviews and interviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. Call a special this week. Arts Talk has run away to join the circus. Now, I certainly wouldn't consider myself an expert or aficionado on circus, but I have seen a few in my time. I've seen the biggest, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey's three-ring show at Madison Square Gardens in New York, and one of the smallest, Giffords in England. And I remember when there were three huge travelling shows in the UK all of which have now long since gone, as indeed has Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey. I've also seen many of the leading European circuses, but I've never seen the biggest, and many would say the best. So I'm rectifying that situation, and I'm in The Hague, where I've been invited along to the dress rehearsal of Totem by the worldwide phenomenon that is Cirque du Soleil. There's still an hour or so to go, so I'm going to talk to a couple of the people who are responsible for the staging of the show. Uh, my name is Frank, Frank Hanselman. I'm the company manager here on Totem. And I would imagine that's a fairly big job because it's a very big circus, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very big circus with a lot of monkeys. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the main responsibility is to make sure that the show uh, happens every day and uh, sometimes twice a day. Uh, so basically operationally running uh, the show uh, but of course you know it's it's always teamwork we have uh, a total of 120 people on tour uh, 48 of them uh, being artists um, and the rest uh, a lot of technicians and other support staff people in the kitchen people in the office doing a lot of the logistics um, taxation, immigration, uh, visas, accounting. So yeah, there's a lot of people that contribute to uh, putting the show on stage every night. And um, yeah, my role is to make sure that that happens. Everybody works together. And, you know, things happen in a coordinated way. Um, but it's also uh, a fun job because you know, no two days are the same, really. Because there's so much variety in my day that it, it you know, makes and it I'm, a lot I of fun. And I imagine quite a lot of it is, is working ahead, isn't it? Yeah, basically, once once we're set up here and it shows up and running, uh, I almost forget about the Hague, and it's all about the future cities. So, um, you know, we're already working on, for example. Uh, the show schedule for uh, Rio de Janeiro, which is happening January 2021. You, so, ta you take all this to Rio? We take, uh, uh, well, yes, basically yes. 
Uh, if we want to get into technical details, the actual tent stays in Europe, so we're, but we're moving into a different tent. But basically, yes, everything we have here, we will have in Rio, and before that in Sao Paulo, actually. Because there are how many Cirque du Soleil's? There are about over 20, isn't it? 20, um, 25, 30? Yeah, we have about 20 shows under the Cirque du Soleil brand, um, and then uh, Blue Man Group, for example, is also part of Cirque du Soleil. Uh, entertainment group and a few other uh, shows as well but under the Cirque name it's about 20 and 10 of them tour uh, the other 10 are fixed in one spot um, so yeah and then for our tour alone I mean we use 77 trucks to move everything from city to city so it's a big logistical operation plus all the staff that needs to travel uh, be lodged, uh, have the right uh, papers to be able to enter and work in every country. Uh, it's, it's a that must be a nightmare. Um, it can be a nightmare, but uh, we but, have. Uh, but surely you can, for, for when you're in Europe, you can do it all in one go. You don't have to do it every time you. Oh no, we do. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no European white visa that it, it will last us for three years for everywhere we go. So it's country by country. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the show, the Totem, that that lasts three years, does it? Um, Totem is doing a three-year European tour. Other tours, other shows have maybe done two years, but so yeah, it's about that time. Yeah. So we started about two years ago in Brussels, and we have another year left. And it's always the same people, the same company contracted for three years. Uh, more or less. I mean, we get people going in and out. Obviously, there's turnover, but uh, yeah, basically, it's always the same group that that travels from city to city, and and that will also then move to South America. That's unbelievable. It must go on planes. I mean, how many planes do it take? Um, it depends a little bit. Whenever we can, uh, we travel by boat. Um, it's a long way to Rio. It's boat. a very long way to Rio. Um, so between the final show in Europe, which will be in Prague, and the first show in Sao Paulo, there's a six-week gap because we need time to, to ship everything uh, across uh, the Atlantic. Do you ever lose anything? <laughs> Not so far. <laughs> but when the show came out of Japan into Europe, we did uh, use planes. It was two uh, 747s, yeah, full. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm, I had a friend who worked, for, uh, it was a clown with Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey's, and their train was yeah, a, a mile long, yeah, a kilometre yeah. and a half. I think they were still loading it up when they were arrived at the next city. Yeah, practically, yes. What's the, the most difficult thing? Uh, is, it a, is it a physical thing, I, I, the, the equipment, or is it a, a logistical thing with, with paperwork and, and making arrangements? Well, I mean, it's, it's complicated, but we've been doing this for 35 years as a company, and, you know, we have a lot of support from people in our head office in Montreal, for example. So, you know, it's a big, well-oiled machine, and yes, I mean, the days are long when we set up, you know, it's uh, it's usually about three weeks of non-stop uh, work, you know, doing the last week of shows in the last city, then tearing it down, loading it, moving it, setting it up again, the first week of shows in the new city. So, so you've been here tomorrow. How long have you been on the site now? Um, here we had a bit of a break because we came from Gran Canaria by boat, which also took a little longer. So we were lucky to have a few days off in between. Uh, but we started here, what are we today, Wednesday? So a week ago on Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's intense, it's long days, you know, you get tired, but we're used to that, you know, you get into the rhythm. Um, it's more, you know, we have 120 people on tour, 120 different personalities, I'm 28 different I nationalities. I would have thought more than that, actually. It's such a big, big place. I was expecting it was your own metro system or something, because it's a huge <laughs> site. It's a, small, it's a small village. It doesn't yeah. sound a lot. 120 is the, the touring group, but then we hire about 200 people locally in every oh, okay. city as well. 100 
to help us with the setup and teardown, and a, and a hundred during the city run, uh, mainly uh, for um, interaction with the public. You know. uh, and what's your background? Are you a circus person? No, my original background is in hotel management, actually. That's my degree. <laughs> so I started here as food and beverage manager um, 18 years ago. Um, head of popcorn, basically. Um, and kind of, you know... I look it on the CV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of got hooked in, you know, different roles. So it's been uh, really interesting. Okay, thanks very much indeed for that. Thank you. Uh, my name is Johnny Kim. I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm the artistic director here at Totem. Wow, that sounds an incredible job. So you have overall responsibility for how the show looks, basically? Yes, in a, in a nutshell, for sure. Yeah, I oversee the production quality with all the artists um, and my artistic team, and we help integrate new artists in, but also maintain uh, the production value and integrity of the original concept, uh, as well as transforming it and evolving it to where it also has some relevance in this day and age. So the, so the concept for this, this, is, this show is called Totem. Correct. And there are lots of different ones around. There's a the Beatles one, there's a permanent one, there's yeah. a um, Cabinet of Curiosities. That's all decided from head office. Correct. They hire different kinds of um, creation and show directors. So some, some shows may have the same. Uh, for example, our, uh, the one that was written and directed for Totem, Robert Lepage, also uh, did Cause original concept. Um, so sometimes they'll uh, use the same directors to create new shows as well. Uh, and sometimes they'll just branch out and find different ones. But all of it gets workshopped uh, for probably two to three years before it even comes into fruition. And that all happens in uh, Montreal for the most part, yes. And the basic designs for the show come Correct. So uh, because within that basic design, that will then help uh, construct how we're going to fabricate the stage, what we're going to need, and then they already have a visualization of what act may represent that part of either, either the concept or the story. Um, so that gets storyboarded before even the casting process happens, um, if they already have a vision of what that may look like. Yeah. So it's almost like making a film because it's such, a, such a big production spread yes. over. I mean, there's so many different facets to it. Yes, because even let's say they storyboard that for years and they have a, uh, a foundation of a concept, and then they have this idea of innovative acts. And then we have to scour the world to find them. Um, and so a casting call goes out and just goes to different parts of the world and different continents to find that, or even scours YouTube to find. Um, intricate and, and unique kind of skills and, and, and things to be able to match that kind of concept as well as transcending the company as entertainment. Because I think circus has changed a lot in the last 30 or 40 years. It used to be very much a family thing where acts were handed down through a family. But now there are so many circus uh, schools throughout the world that you could almost go into a school and, and ask them to create an act like whatever to fit in with a certain show you're planning. That is correct, yes. And the National Circus School in Montreal is right across the road from the headquarters. So there is definitely um, an alliance and connection there as far as looking at future talent uh, for Cirque du Soleil shows, uh, as well as for other companies out there. But that school has definitely created a lot of uh, talent for some of our productions that exist now. So now we have shows that are catered towards more to children, um, and we've still we've acquired Blue Man Group, and so there's a lot of different kinds of things, whether it's magic and illusionists uh, that are now are under the Cirque du Soleil umbrella. So it kind of fits all kinds of people's um, palettes. Uh, that's also separate from Cirque du Soleil traditional acrobatics per se. But as far as the the main foundation of Cirque du Soleil, it is still circus themed style shows. Because I, I imagine an artist could make a career 
could work a, a lifetime. Absolutely. Yes, there are, like I said, there are some artists here that have been here since the beginning of Totem. And prior to that, they were in previous shows and stayed for quite a long time. Um, because circus is in their blood and this is what they do, uh, they, there are artists here that have been doing it for over 30 years, as far as from when they were a child. Maybe not with Cirque du Soleil, but from what they did as a family troupe and then now branched out to other things with other disciplines. And the career can have a quite long lifespan. Do any of the acts you have here, are there any old circus families here? Families as a whole, no, but uh, our roller skating duo, they, they definitely come from a family of circus as far as generations of different kinds of disciplines, and it kind of runs in the family as far as circus arts are concerned. Um, because I think a lot of um, uh, the, the, the acts, they used to be exclusively uh, hand, acts that were handed down during the, uh, through the generations. But I think there was this gap, because when I was a kid in, the, in, in England, there were a lot of these, these three big circuses, and they sort of died out in the 80s or 90s, and I think a lot of the, the acts sort of disappeared and gave up, gave up a little day job. And, and corresponding with that was the, the influx of, certain, of circus schools, and I think a lot of acrobats come from, from gymnastics, don't they? Yes, so, they do come. Whether it's a, a traditional style circus schools or circus families, or sport, yeah. um, and so it's kind of a, a mix of both uh, and a, bear, a variety of all of those things. But what's interesting about what you say is that some, because of the circus schools, some of the disciplines that have been, I wouldn't say disappeared, but have been quite rare to find, are now coming up to the surface to where people in this generation think it's new. Um, for example, um, in our show we have carpet manipulation, um, and that is an, an old circus art form that has kind of been lost, so the fact that we have that in our show makes it new to some people, but also quite nostalgic for the older generation too, if they've seen something like that before. Roller skating duo is similar in that sense, that it's, it's not very common to find in the world, so it's an older style kind of traditional um, act, but for some people they will come and they'll think that it's brand new. But I think that's probably a lot to do with the way you present it. Correct. Um, because there, there's a uniformity to costumes, there is a continuity between yes. acts. They don't just come on and do their turn and the next one comes on and does their turn. Yeah. And I think the thing that makes, that, that originally um, made Cirque du Soleil, uh, maybe not unique, but one of its, its, its selling points was the fact that it didn't employ any animals at all, ever. Correct. It's all about the human performance and that connection. Uh, which in a concept and or a story is so important because that's what people come to when it comes to live theater, to have that kind of human connection. And the performance itself or the, the themes or the storyline will, will catch your emotions and make you feel something. Um, but having that kind of human connection when you're in an intimate setting such as the Big Top makes it that much better. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much indeed. You're welcome, thank you. Artstalk magazine provides the perfect companion to Artstalk radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Artstalk magazine, all one word, dot nl. Artstalk magazine, dot nl. Artstalk radio online. Bienvenue au Cirque du Soleil. Nous vous donnons un 
I'm at the Cirque du Soleil in The Hague, where the dress rehearsal for Totem is about to get underway. But just before it does, I've come backstage to have a talk with some of the performers. Hi, uh, my name is Oyun Erden Senge, and I'm a contortionist at Totem, and I'm from Mongolia. It's always fascinated me about um, contortionists. Do you actually learn to be a contortionist? Or are you born a contortionist? <laughs> I actually did learn to be a contortionist. So I went to a contortion school. Um, for sure, like it requires certain type of like uh, flexibility, uh, but it's a lot of. Uh, most of it is mostly trainings. Like anybody, because we start at a young age. Like most people are flexible at that age. I started when I was six years old. So uh, we had a lot of girls there. Of course, some girls were more naturally flexible and some are less. But you can still learn to do, uh, to do like all the uh, skills and be also like it's not just contortion. I do also hand balancing. So it's a mix with hand balancing and contortion. So hand balancing that's like anybody can learn to do it if you have the training for it. I, yeah. pr I probably couldn't. <laughs> uh, did you when you when you started at six? Was this always with the plan to go into the circus, or are, are there other opportunities? I mean, is it useful in sport? Is there any contortion is part of our traditional art in Mongolia, so it's a very popular thing. So that's why there are there are schools specifically for contortion like you learn to do contortion uh, which is pretty awesome and so my mom she saw so she saw my coach my coach is a very famous contortionist in Mongolia um, so she saw her like always on newspapers and uh, you know uh, on TV and she was traveling around so my mom thought it would be a cool thing to try for me because she saw that she was traveling a lot um, so I auditioned and uh, uh, luckily, I got into her school, so now, uh, yeah. And when did you actually start performing in the circus? So uh, I started at six, and then um, uh, as a six? no professionally, oh. I started contortion at six. But professionally, I started at 11 years old uh, at Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, I did my first like a uh, duo performance with my partner in Cirque du Soleil Alegria. The Wait, show. Which, which country was that in? Uh, uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did my first performance there. So I've been with the company for 15 years now. That's incredible. Yeah. And it must be uh, quite a, a short life. I mean, you can't be doing a contortion when you're 50, can you? Or can you? Uh, the, you can. Um, it's just not but maybe. Not quite so flexible. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> you can still like contort, I think. You can still stretch and stuff, but of course, I don't think you can do this as a, in a professional level where like you perform, you know, many shows a week. No, but I know there are older contortionists. They're like still 60 and still warm up and they're still flexible and they still stretch. So this you can do like more as a hobby later, but I think professionally you can go up to 40 years old, like, you know, very high level. 35 to 40 depending on the body everybody's body is different so some people have to stop you know at, in their 20s or some people can continue f in their full 30s so it depends on how your body is and also how you take care of your body so it depends on a lot of things and it's very individual the age of uh, but it, career but it can't be good for your body I mean it must put dreadful strains on parts of the body which aren't designed to take strain. I don't think it's bad for the body too. <laughs> it's all my body is known, right? And I think as long as you 
take care of it well and nowadays we learn a lot about uh, you know different exercises and the you know health benefits all that so as long as I think you eat healthy and you because like I said I'm not only just bending I think if you're just bending and doing nothing else you know then you don't have muscles where I do a lot of strength stuff so I think the strength and the flexibility balance each other so I don't really have like aches or I don't really have pain and I try to do Pilates and I think that helps a lot so I think it's good to do you know the parts where you you stretch a lot then maybe you can do bit pilates and uh, you know activate the muscles and you know you just i think finding a good balance then it's i don't think it's actually bad for you and i have like my contortion coach and you know they're they're fine and they're in their 60s 70s and you know they're like normal people maybe they have some aches here and there but that's very individual like you know anybody i feel like can have that too can be genetic i don't know we all don't know sometimes so but they seem to be fine so i think it's not too bad yeah and how how many hours a day do you do practicing uh, I would say now that you know we do shows every day, that becomes part of the training. Um, but yeah, I would train maybe like hour or two a day. But the warm up, the whole process of warm up and going on stage and doing your number, that is also like a training. So that keeps you in shape. You have your cardio. So we we're constantly working six days a week. So yeah. Okay. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> My name is Saad And my name is Guillaume Cochois. And you're trapezists. Trapezists, is that the correct word? Trapeze artists. <laughs> and what nationality are you? I'm from Canada. And I'm from France. Ah, okay. And how long have you been working together on the trapeze? Uh, almost 10 years now. Yeah. And how long have you been with the Cirque du Soleil? Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be seven years, on and off seven years. We yeah. started in 2012. That's right. And then we did a five years touring non-stop. Then we left the show for two years. But we, within those two years, we came back for shorter terms. And now we're back more. But you work in other sexes? Yes. The world. Yeah. Where else have you worked? Uh, we worked in Germany. We actually worked in Amsterdam last winter. Yeah. Wow. And you're doing, you're here for two months nearly? I think yeah. so, yeah. So that's a lot of people to find. Yes. <laughs> So, t tell me a little bit about how you um, started in trapeze. Uh, in, like I say, in the old days in the circus, there used to be circus families, and an act yeah. used to be handed down and handed down. And now there are circus schools all over yeah. the world. So how did you get started? Yeah, in circus school, actually. So I had a friend that was going in Montreal. That's where I'm from. And he invited me to come, and I just fell in love with circus. So I started when I was 15 years old, and I started trapeze, actually, at 17. So when I started, I was doing a little bit of everything, and then I saw a dual trapeze that really inspired me, which is actually the original duo on this show. And um, I wanted to do the same, so that's when I picked up dual trapeze. And when did you start? I started when I was six or seven, uh, because I had a stutter. So my parents put me in circus school to like push me to express myself, to pass oh, over. Trapeze is a, a good treatment for stuttering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it worked, yeah. I don't think many people would try it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not recommended, but... Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah and I, so I did circus pretty much all my childhood, and when I was 19, I auditioned to the National Circus School in Montreal, and this is where I met Sarah, and the school took, us, took the both of us to work together. Then. 
and you've been together ever since. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you're quite, it's, it's hard work, isn't it? It's very hard yeah. work. It's eight <laughs> to ten shows a week, so it's... I mean, it's fun. People think it's kind of like Disney World, right? But yeah. actually, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Do you, do you live on site while you're here? Uh, we have hotel apartments. We're not too far. I'm like 20 minutes away, I think. Yeah. So. 20 minutes walking, so it's not so bad. Yeah. And is six is six weeks, seven weeks normal, or do you do sometimes two or three weeks? Some, no, the, no, the minimum is five. Five I think. weeks, I think, is a yeah, shorter city and like longer city. Three months. Three three months, but we did six months in Tokyo. Yeah. But with uh, one week off in between, so we did three months, one week break, and another three months. That's exceptional. So that was yeah, it's exceptional. Tokyo. That's the longest city we ever done. I mean, how much preparation? I mean, every day do you do? I mean, what, what is it called? Practice or class or every day? How much? How much time do you spend? Practicing? So actually, on the trapeze, we don't really train. We train like once a week, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, so the rest of it is just uh, preparation, like physical preparation. Uh, so he has a big workout. Like I work out about an hour and a half every day, and then we have like the whole preparation before the show. So yeah. like stretching and like terrible work and making sure our body's ready to go on stage and to perform. So you're, you're basically the catcher? Yes. And you're the one who... The flyer. Flyer. Yeah. Has he ever dropped you? It has happened. Oh dear. But very, very few times. <laughs> Do you work with a net? Huh? Do you work with a safety net? We have a mattress, yes. A, so mat a mattress? Yeah. Yes. It's a how, of... how high are you off the ground? I don't even know. Just... I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. think I want to know. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I try not to think about it too much, yeah. But this is not just a mattress that somebody brings in off their bed. This is a, no, a special mattress. No, it's quite yeah. bigger. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's made to for, be yeah. for safety. Yeah. Like, it's made to be yeah. safe in case of yeah. falls. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that will do. Thank you very much. Right. Thank, thank you very much. Well, that was Cirque du Soleil, which continues in The Hague until the 8th of December. You've been listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. So, until the next time, it's goodbye.